This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. All right, well, I wish you'd take Colossians chapter 4 and turn to that. The title of this message this morning is The Call to Ministry. The Call to Ministry. A most mysterious thing happens in a man's life, that is, God's call on his life to vocational ministry. It doesn't happen to everyone, but I think it probably happens to more people and more men as far as the vocational call to pastor uh, and this type of thing than uh, probably most guys will admit to, and it's a mysterious thing because it is a great responsibility to take God's Word and open it week after week after week and declare the Word of God to a person or to a group of people. It is a great responsibility. It's not something to be taken lightly, and not every man is called specifically to the office of the pastor, but some are. And so when a man says, God is calling me into the ministry, he's making an eternal declaration. And it's not something that should ever be said at a time of emotional high. It's not something that should be said publicly as you go through a season in life. You must be knowing God is calling me. I can't get away from this. And you know that God is genuinely doing something in your life. To say that God is calling me to the ministry is saying a very grave thing. Eternal consequences involved. Now, the call to ministry is not somehow walking out one day on a beautiful moonlit night and you see a star falling down to the ground and you think, I believe God's called me into the ministry. It's not like that. Uh, our emotions may make us think that, but it's not that way. The call to the ministry is not God speaking to you in an audible voice, calling you to full-time ministry. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in the spirit and the soul of a man, and it just will not go away. Now, some men in their testimonies say that I ran from the call year after year after year, and finally I surrendered to the call. That's not something to really brag about. If a person is thinking that God is calling him into the ministry, he needs to sit before the Lord and let the Spirit of God so weave that into his heart that he knows it's a call of God and I cannot escape it. And so a person can run from this call of God on his life. He can run from it, but he cannot escape it. It's impossible. And it will always bug the person. It will bother him if God is calling him and he's trying to find something else to do. There's only one way to deal with it is surrender to that call when you know for certain it's the work of God in your life. Now, I've noticed about four things over the year when it comes to this whole subject of the call to ministry. A lot of people get things confused and they don't really understand how to spend time asking, how am I motivated here? What brought me to this point? They don't really meditate on it. But there are four things I've noticed over the years that pertain to a call to ministry. So this message may not be for anybody here. It may be for someone or it may be for quite a number of people. 
There's no way I can know, but God knows. And this message is being recorded, and so this message could be handed to someone that you know may be wondering, am I called to ministry? Maybe a son, maybe a brother. And you know what? The age doesn't matter. To think that you have to enter the ministry at a young age is erroneous. I tell you when you should enter the ministry, when God tells you to. And you never know exactly when that's going to be. But one of the ways people think that they're called to the ministry is what I want to call the mother call. Somehow in your life, your mother got it in her mind that you were going to be her little preacher boy. And she told you that. You're going to be a good preacher one day. She may have really wanted you to be a preacher, but God has never called you. But because you love your mother, you respect your mother, and you believe in your mother, that gets in your mind, and it gets set in there like an unseen goal that you find yourself gravitating toward in life. But it was planted there by your mother. She didn't know that she was messing you up. She was just being a good mom with great wishes for you. So that's the mother call. And you'd be surprised how many guys go into the ministry because mama said something to them or someone like that a long time ago. I'm going to tell you this. It won't last. They will leave the ministry because there's no anointing. The second thing is this. Not only a mother call, there's another call, and that is a vocational call. A vocational call, you don't even think about how much am I going to make. You're not thinking about that so much. You're thinking about this call on my life to do what God would have me to do. And so someone comes along in your life and they say, well, you know, you're a good Bible teacher. And boy, you're at the church every time the doors open and you really have a strong desire to serve in the house of God and with the people of God. You ought to go off to seminary or Bible college and you ought to take a church. You ought to be a pastor. Well, remember, the calling into ministry is a calling of God. It is not a calling of a human being on the life projected, so to speak, onto another. And so many men go into the ministry. They're not really called by God. They're called by someone else. It won't last. It'll be a lot of frustration because there's no real anointing. And then the third thing that I've noticed, and this is a big one, it's called a guilt call. Mother called, vocationally called, and a guilt call. Somehow, a man has done something wrong many years ago. He feels guilty about it. And somehow he thinks that if I will serve full-time in vocational ministry, somehow this guilty feeling that I feel eventually will be erased away. There's only one thing that takes care of our sin and our guilt, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't serve God enough, read your Bible enough. You can't pray long and hard enough and wear out your knees. You can't do anything to erase the guilt and the feelings of guilt. It is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the work of Jesus, our Savior, for taking away that sin. It's the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God for the renewing of the mind to deal with those feelings of guilt. Some people try to live a hard and self-denying life in order to please God and get them to a point where they don't feel these things anymore. There's no way that's the call of God for ministry. They won't last in the ministry because there's no anointing. And then there's the fourth way to be called into the ministry, and it's God's call. And it's mysterious, and it's God calling you 
into the ministry. And the most of the time, you can't see the reason God would call you. And other people may not even see it too. They may see some things, but you might not be the most outgoing person. You might not have the most winsome personality. You might not be eloquent in your speech, and you may not have your thoughts together so you can stand and preach in an orderly fashion. But I want to tell you, if God's calling you to preach, He will take care of all of those things. And so, there is a God call. It seems that God normally puts His hand on the most unlikely people to carry out His calling. When you read Christian history, and when you read biographies of men that God used in ministry, and in my book closet at home on my top shelf that goes around my book closet, uh, all the way around the top is all the biographies I've read about men who went into the ministry. Almost all of them are people that came out of nowhere that God really used. And so when I see fathers handing their ministry over to their son, I can't see that because uh, you know what happened with Absalom, you know what happened uh, with David and these things. But there is a God call. Think about it. You think about Moses. Moses stuttered. Moses could speak, and he was scared. And uh, what did God do? God put him on the backside of the desert, and God took care of Moses and made him the way God wanted him to be. He took that broken vessel and made him the way God would have him to be made. And then think about David. David was just a simple shepherd boy, but while he was out there tending his few sheep, is what his brother said, you know what? All the while he was tending those few sheep, God was teaching him, and he became one of the greatest people that ever walked across the face of the earth. And then think about Elijah the prophet. He plowed fields. Think about Peter. Peter, the Bible says, was an unlettered fisherman, but God used every one of them. Now, in chapter 4 of Colossians, when you look back at what Paul is doing to the church at Colossae, it's as if Paul begins a roll call of his personal companions in ministry. And in a sense, Paul is saying, as he's reflecting on his companions in ministries, those he's discipled and brought along that had a call on their life, it's as if he's saying, these are the ones who stood by the fundamentals of the Christian faith. They've stayed true. They've stood by. And what he's saying, he's exhorting, in a sense, keep in step with these. Don't give up. Don't slip into the mainstream. Now, specifically, there's a phrase here towards Archippus in verse 17. And I want to look at verse 17 of Colossians 4. There's a phrase here specifically to Archippus. He says, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Essentially, Paul is saying, be very careful with what God has called you to. And it's interesting when you look at the words of the Apostle Paul, when he spoke of this call to ministry, notice what he says in this verse 17. He received it, notice, in the Lord. So when you think about the call to ministry, it's not a call by mama. It's not a vocational call because I need something to do. It's not a guilt call. It is a God call. It is received 
in the Lord. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in administrating spiritual gifts and empowering people in their gift. And it is the Lord's work in the ministry. It is not a career. It is a calling. It is a compelling. It is a compulsion. It is mysterious. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit wrought in the man. If you can do anything else, you should do it because it won't be easy and it'll be wonderful all at the same time. And so you do not get into the ministry like you get into a company by going and getting the education specified to your kind of work and then building some kind of distinction and then somehow finding yourself doing God's work. It's not that way at all. Now, I'm not knocking education. Education is fine. But if a man is depending on his education and the work that God has called him to, there's not going to be any anointing. That doesn't mean a person shouldn't study. I believe they should study. And when you hear the old slogan that may have come from Spurgeon, I'm not sure who it came from originally, the call to preach is a call to prepare. That sounds good because it just flows and fits together. But you know what? You can prepare sitting in your bed with your Bible in your lap. That's called a BSS, bedside studies. And you think about more than 7 billion people on the face of this earth. Not all of those men that God calls to ministry can go to any school, let alone a Bible school, a seminary, and even maybe work to a doctorate. They just can't do it. And God never intended them to. What God wanted was them in the Word of God, listening to the Holy Spirit of God, and God raising them up to do and be and lead in the way God will have them to be. So some are able to go off to college, and praise God, I was able to go to two years of seminary, and I'm grateful for that. But the majority of preachers in this world and in Christian history, they never had an opportunity. And the greatest of the preachers were uneducated men. They were self taught. I think of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and I think of Vance Havner, the two most quoted preachers in history are those two men who were self-taught. And so it says, Archippus, he received it in the Lord. And so the calling is not a calling like in a business sense. The ministry is a calling by God, for God, period. If that's not there, you don't belong in the ministry in a sense of a pastoral road or the preaching ministry as far as the office of the pastor. And so look, let's look at something else here in verse 17. Not only he received it in the Lord, he was exhorted to take heed. He said, take heed to the ministry. It seems that um, what he's saying here is to pay attention to your calling, Archippus. Pay attention to your ministry. Concentrate on what God has called you to do. Many commentaries says that it seems like that Archippus, at this point in his life, may have been discouraged in his ministry. And he may have started neglecting his calling and his ministry. And he was being exhorted to take heed. He needed to pay attention to the teaching and the ministry of the Word of God, his primary responsibility. 
And so, when a man is called into the ministry, he has a responsibility to study the Word of God, listening to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's accountable to God for the ministry of the Word. And God puts this in him, puts this on him. But not only that, he was also exhorted to fulfill it, to fulfill it. This ministry, you could say, was like a container, and his life had to be poured into this container to fill it. Remember what Jesus said about his own calling and ministry. He was speaking to God the Father. God the Son said this in John chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus said, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given, the work you have given me to do. Archippus, you are called by God to a work by God, and you are to fulfill that work. That's what was going on here. And so, if you'll turn to Romans now, to Romans chapter 1, and I want you to look at some more words. I want us to look at some more words in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, and uh, notice the call and nature of the ministry that you see right here in this first verse. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now notice what Paul said. He said, called and set apart to what? The gospel. Called, set apart to the gospel of God. As the old theologians used to say, a man that God calls into ministry, he is arrested by the Holy Spirit, by God, into the gospel. It is being lifted by the Holy Spirit in a sense and being carried along. It's a mysterious thing. It's hard to explain it. There is a compelling, a moving straight into all that you know of your inadequacies. You move straight into it knowing how weak you are, how frail you are, knowing how incomplete you are in so many ways, but it's like I've got to move and walk toward this, even with all this thinking and feelings that I have, I go straight for it. That is a calling of God for the work of the ministry. It's a feeling of being nudged along. Sometimes, yes, against your will, and at the same time, moving forward when sometimes you don't understand and sometimes you just don't want to, you keep moving forward. There's an anointing. It's a mystery. What did Paul say? He said, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Paul saw himself as a bondservant. I believe Paul was talking about something back in the Old Testament days where the Hebrew slave, after a number of years, had the choice to be free, to be free from his master legally. But if he loved his master, he could choose not to go free, and they would take him to a public setting, and he would stand there next to a doorpost. He would put his earlobe up against this doorpost, and they would take this instrument 
and drive a hole through his ear. And everybody would know that he is choosing to be a slave to his master, not for another six or seven years, but forever. And so the Hebrew slave would publicly say, I love my master, I choose not to go free. And so Paul saw himself this way. I'm a servant. I'm a bondservant of God. Yes, I'm free, but I choose to be mastered by God. And so he's no longer free for independent action. From then forward, he has to see everything through the grid system of the Word of God and by the impulses and movement of the Holy Spirit, even when it's contrary to culture and even when it's contrary to his own human nature, he has to go God's way. And that's what Paul was saying. I give all I know of me to all I know of him, and I'll go forward even when I don't really understand it. I will go forward. He also said that he was called an apostle, meaning one who is sent. The same thought as in the word missionary. Missionary sent by God into the world to point other people how to get to heaven. And so when Paul died, about 30 years after Jesus died, there was a church for Christian worship in every major city in the Western Roman Empire. And he had no internet, no electricity, and no airplanes. I want to tell you how that happened. It happened by the Holy Spirit of God pushing him, compelling him, overcoming obstacles in and through him until it all happened. And if it wasn't for that, my friend, you and I wouldn't know anything about Jesus more than likely. And so he also said, set apart. In a sense, when God's calling a man into the ministry, he comes to that point where he publicly declares, God's calling me into the ministry. And people do see that calling. There's a sense of God's called me. He set me apart to do this forever. I can't go back the other way. Even if I lose everything, I'm disillusioned. It makes no sense. And no one is working with me in it. If he knows that he's called by God, he knows he's set apart. And when he don't understand it, he has to continue to go forward. And it is a sense of burning all bridges so I can't get back to where I was. There's a rock on my table uh, in my office between the two chairs there. And on that rock, uh, there's a beautiful picture painted. And then there's this statement made. A man cannot discover new horizons until he's willing to lose sight of the shore. And boy, that sums up what it means to step out by faith and walk with God. It's like being in a sailboat. As long as you can see the shore, you feel safe. But when you get out into the ocean where you can't see land, you begin to wonder which way is north, south, east, and west. And in ministry, sometimes you wonder, which way is north, south, east, and west? Sometimes you're not sure. Sometimes you're very sure. But the wind of the Spirit of God, if your sails are up, will blow you to where He always intended you to be. You just keep your hand on the oar. You just keep going forward. That word set apart 
or the Greek word separated. In this verse contains the thought of horizon. Paul's whole horizon was dominated by God, and that was it. Now, turn, if you will, over to Ephesians chapter 3. I want us to look at verse 7. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. Listen to what Paul says to the Ephesians. He says, of which, listen to this, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. A person can't make you a minister. A school cannot make you a minister. It is God and God alone that makes you a minister. Now, once that is established through Bible study, prayer, teaching from others, all of that only makes more real uh, a deeper understanding of the call to ministry. But initially, it is God's call to ministry. He said, I was made a minister. How? According to the gift of God's grace. It was a gift. It's not something you earned. It's something that's given to you. It is an anointing by God. What Paul is saying, he says, I am called by God. He made me a minister. It is the gift of God's grace. And that's the bottom line for Paul. And then turn over to Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Listen to what he says here. He says, of this church, I was made a minister according to, listen, the stewardship from where? From God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Paul again is saying this. He's saying, I was made a minister. It was bestowed on me by God. So, for Paul, his calling to the ministry was only for one reason. It was God so working in his life, this compulsion from God that God would not set him free from. Now, I believe the struggle to accept God's call on your life for this should be the humility that comes from knowing God is doing something in you that he does not necessarily do with everyone. If it makes you prideful, you're not called. If you feel like, boy, I sure would like that standing, you're not called. But if you feel an overwhelming sense of inadequacy, a sense of humility, why me? That is a strong indication that it is God calling you into the ministry. And I said it earlier, if you can do anything else, I want to tell you, you need to do it. If God is calling you, you realize you can't do anything else and be happy. Everything else you do loses its meaning for you and seems so temporary and unimportant. And you can't really see yourself doing anything else. And there's a part of you, you don't want to do anything else because God has so gripped you in these eternal matters and you begin to see things differently. God causes you to see things differently. And through this process of the call to ministry, prayer is the most important thing you can do. That may be on your knees or it may be just taking a walk. When I talk about praying, I'm not seeing praying as a work. I'm seeing it as the most wonderful privilege 
to simply walk, talk, and listen to God. That's what prayer really is. It's not a work. It is an ongoing fellowship with God. The most important thing you can do if God is calling you into the ministry, simply living and moving and having your being in Christ Jesus, an attitude of prayer. And God will take care of all that you do not know. Now, the call to the ministry will demand some things. You have to be fearless. Now, when I say fearless, if you've got the mindset that being a man of God and you're, you're going to fight the culture, you've never been called and there's no anointing on your life for the preaching ministry. You'll be a disaster and you'll lead people maybe down a long road for a long time until it all crumbles. When I say fearless, I'm not talking about haughty. I'm not talking about prideful. Remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear. This courage, this fearlessness comes from intimacy with God. God said it. That settles it, no matter how I feel about it. It's in your living. You say, I'm going to obey God. And when I say obey God, I mean the abiding life. Not obeying to get His approval, but obeying so that the work of ministry will flow in and through you. It's in your living. It's in your service, knowing God will enable me because I cannot do this. It'll be in your leadership, not to follow sheep, but to lead sheep. In other words, I, they may not understand it, but I know I got this from God, and I've got to go this direction. I'm not to follow sheep. I'm to lead sheep. Now, I'm not saying that sheep can't come around you as a pastor-preacher and give you counsel, because if that's your attitude, you're not called by God. The Bible clearly says, surround yourself with many counselors, but you do need to be careful who you surround yourself with. But it should be in your leadership. You have to be fearful. You have to be fearful in your preaching. You have to say things that you know are offensive, and you know it's going to hurt. But we should say it with a broken heart. But we got to tell the truth because our culture, everybody's wondering, where is truth? And I want to tell you, it's where it's always been. It's in the Word of God. But the being feared that you're going to alienate yourself, being fearful that you're going to be offensive to someone, you can't be in the ministry and living like that. You can't lord the Word of God over people. You can't be roughshod, you can't be arrogant, you can't be haughty, you can't be prideful. But when it comes to the Word of God, you have to speak the truth. Even if a family gets up and walks out, so be it. Because I want to tell you, ungodliness is rampant in our day. And so you can't be afraid to offend people. You just trust God. And you can't go chase after everybody either. It's not arrogance. It's just simply knowing this. The world, the flesh, and the devil will crowd them back to Christ. We'll still be here with arms wide open like the prodigal father when they choose to come back to be all that God intended them to be. So if you're called to ministry, you're going to have to be fearless, and you're going to have to be faithful. You've got to be a student of the Word of God, searching God's Word for yourself first and then others second. Preaching God's Word in one of two ways. When you preach the Word of God, 
You could stand and just read your whole manuscript. Sometimes God uses that. Most of the time, He probably doesn't. I know He used it with Jonathan Edwards. The man's eyesight was so bad that they said his face was all the way down here uh, reading his sermon word for word for word. But revival and a great awakening broke out through his ministry. That's very unusual. You see, you can preach a sermon and you can teach a lesson or whatever, and you can just do it because that's what you're supposed to do. You've done your study and then you get up there. But there's no unction, there's no anointing. Now, unction and anointing does not mean you have to speak loud and fast. Even if you're calm, it must be the overflow of the Holy Spirit, or I'm telling you, God's not going to use it. And so preaching the Word of God is not pumping out the Word of God and cramming it down people's throats until they get it. It is not that. Preaching the Word of God is more like an artesian well where it's overflow from what's going on in your own life and what you know God has led you to teach and preach. And so it should be the overflow of a person's life, what God is showing you day by day by day. So this preaching and this anointing and the office of full-time ministry and pastoral preaching is fearless, it's faithful, and it must be fruitful. There needs to be fruitfulness of your life. If your ministry is not fruitful, either you're dried up or God's probably going to move you to another place, more than likely. If you're walking in the Spirit, teaching the Word of God, and you know there's fruit coming out of your life, you're not deceiving yourself, but you're not seeing fruit being manifest in the life of your church, more than likely, God's going to move you along. But most of the time, what it is, is your own life is drying up spiritually. Not you're losing your salvation, but you've just got stuck in a rut. Now, I believe that's possibly where our Kephasus was that Paul was talking about earlier in Colossians chapter 4, and Paul was reviving him in a sense and stirring him home. Remember, you're called, you're set apart in these things. And so we never have to manipulate people. If God has called you and you're sure of your calling, you don't have to manipulate people to get them to do things to validate your ministry. In other words, you don't have to go out here on this 17 acres and build a big building so that everybody can see it and say, wow, he must be successful. He's got a big building out there. God may lead you to do that, but you should not do it motivated by validating your ministry. You have to stay riveted to the Word of God, surrender to the Holy Spirit of God, and let God cause what He wants to be done to happen and not you controlling and manipulating. We have to remember, it's the work of God's Holy Spirit through the pastor's life, through the people's life, and through the life of the church. And so, if you'll notice, since I've been pastor of this church, I do not badger people about church attendance and giving. I don't badger people. I'm tempted, but I don't badger people. And the reason I don't, is because if I ever start doing that, it'll change the whole DNA of my ministry here at this church. And I don't want to do that. I'm not going to sacrifice that. God wouldn't let me. The motive is you give and you come because you love God with your whole heart, your mind, and your whole being. My thoughts, if they do not desire to be here regularly, and if they just cannot see the need to give to their church, 
It is a spiritual matter between them and God and not between me and them. That is correct. And what I know is this. God in His great love and mercy will crowd them back to Him, utilizing for His purposes this world system, the devil, his demons, and their own flesh, their self-life. They will get so sick and tired of this world system and the ploys of the devil, and they will get so sick and tired of what they see that's wrong in their own life that eventually they'll come back around to saying, now where was I again in the Word of God before I got so far off? And I believe we have to wait until that time comes. When they come to their senses, like the prodigal, their church and their pastor needs to be standing there with open arms, ready to receive them in and pick up where they left off. Because that is exactly what God has done with your pastor and what he's doing with each one of you. And then there needs to be fervency. You're excited and you're committed. A word from God is always on your heart and on the tip of your tongue almost always. You always have a word from the Lord with any individual that you speak to. And when you speak, you've got something to say. You're not pumping it up. You're not trying hard to pull something together. You've got something to say that God has put it on your heart, and you speak it. There is a fervency. And when you see God is working, you can't be quiet. You have to share what you see God is doing in your life. But the primary thing in the call to ministry is simply walking in an attitude of prayer, listening to the Spirit of God. If God's calling you into the ministry, you'll find a more of a delight for the Word of God. If God is calling you into the ministry, other things, it's not that they're not important, but to you they seem less important. If God is calling you to the ministry, you find yourself more and more seeing all of life through the eyes of God, from an eternal perspective. You see time is expiring for everyone. You feel compassion for people that you can tell are living for the things of the world that are passing away, stumbling through life, reaping what they've sown in a field of weeds, and you have a desire to show them the right way. Number one, how to get to God, how to be connected with Him, how to have a relationship with God. Now that you are related to God, how to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit and be grown up inside and, and you're willing to sit down with them and disciple them an hour and a half at a pop over and over and over again. Then start with another one and start with another one and encourage other people because you know that's what Jesus did with the disciples. That's how he started things. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. And look what's happened because of that. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.